Hey everybody, it's Lon Seidman. It's time once again for your weekly wrap up. And this week we're going to look at something called NFTs, which are of course non-fungible tokens. And this is something you've likely heard a lot about because artists and sports teams and athletes and everyone else are selling these digital things for a lot of money. And there's a lot of hype around this, but I think there might be some potential uh, to resolve some issues that we have with digital ownership in the 21st century. And we're going to explore this topic in today's show, so let's get to it. Now, as I mentioned at the outset, NFTs stand for non-fungible tokens. And what non-fungible means is that you are buying a digital asset. So if I were to buy an NFT that you created today and then sell it to a friend of mine tomorrow, if I came back and bought that token again 10 years from now, I am going to get that very same token that you initially minted back. It is something that is traceable, serialized, and trackable across the blockchain. And this is being done mostly on the Ethereum blockchain right now. Now, if you want to get a better idea as to how the blockchain technology works, that is kind of the underlying architecture of all this, there's a podcast from about 10 years ago that Steve Gibson did on his Security Now show, where he really steps through the process of the blockchain for Bitcoin. And this is applicable to many other uh, cryptocurrencies out there, and this will help give you a better sense as to how all of this works. We're just going to kind of brush over the underlying technology here, uh, but the architecture is something that's really fascinating, especially because nobody knows who actually created it, for Bitcoin at least, but that's the architecture that everybody else has adopted. Now, what's been surprising to me is how this NFT thing feels like it came out of nowhere, but it's been kind of brewing for a while, and now there's a lot of big name brands getting into it. So, for example, the NBA uh, is selling these little video clips as rare collectibles on the Ethereum blockchain here, and they've sold over $200 million of these things. And all you're buying is a video clip that you could probably download from YouTube if you wanted to, but the ownership of that clip is being assigned to you and nobody else. And that is why uh, these assets have value. Uh, here's some guy named Gronk. I guess he's a football player or something, and he's got a couple of cards that he is currently selling, digital cards, again, just an image file. Uh, that is, at least at the time I was looking at this last night, is selling for $86,000, and he still did not meet the reserve that he set for these digital tokens. Uh, so it's nuts, and people are paying for this stuff. And, you know, one of the things that you have to think about when deciding whether or not something is stupid or not is whether or not people are assigning value to something. And at the moment, at least, they are assigning value to it. But over time, the value of this stuff might go down to nothing. So, for example, I've got a big box of Topps 1987 baseball cards back there. Uh, those things are worth practically nothing right now. But back in the day, there were a couple of cards in the mix that had a lot of value because they were rare. And the value of even those rare cards has gone down over time. So the value of this stuff is only what people are willing to pay for it. And right now, people are willing to pay a lot to own a code uh, to an image file that says that they are the owner. Now there's a lot of excitement in the arts community about this, and here's a great example of artwork that's being sold on the blockchain. Uh, this is Lindsay Lohan's painting called Rolling in the Bitcoin, created by the actress. Uh, she put it out on Rarible, which is a platform to discover 
uh, some of this digital artwork, and she sold it for tens of thousands of dollars. I think she donated the proceeds to charity. And now the person that owns the painting is looking for 45 Ethereum coins or $84,000 to sell that asset again. And that's why there's so much excitement, especially for digital artists, because they can create scarcity around their work. They could say, hey, I'm going to issue 100 of these tokens that is attached to this piece of artwork that I created, and that's it. Uh, very similar to how a painter might issue a limited number of prints, for example. Let me give you a more tangible example of this concept. So the Mona Lisa, I think we would all agree, is a priceless painting. If you were to sell this painting, it would probably sell for a billion dollars, maybe, because there's only one in the world. It's one of the most recognizable pieces of art ever. Yet I can go on Wikipedia right now, click the download button, and get a super high-quality scan of the Mona Lisa that I could print out and hang on my wall right now, and it would look great. And people could come over and say, wow, that's the Mona Lisa. But it's not the Mona Lisa. That one, of course, is in the Louvre right now. And it's got a lot of value because it's the only one in the world. And although this is kind of an abstract kind of approach here with the NFTs, the fact is, is that those minted digital assets are one off and they might have value to people and clearly it does at the moment. Now, as I mentioned, the NFTs kind of live right now on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, that might change, of course, in the future as different blockchain technologies decide to get into this business. Uh, one of the things that Ethereum is very good at is that in addition to being a digital currency, it also supports contracts and tracking ownership of things. And that is one of the unique strengths of the Ethereum platform. And that's why we've seen so much NFT activity on this platform because it allows for that. Another neat thing that it allows for is fractional ownership. Uh, so you could actually create a single digital token of your painting but then allow for people to purchase shares of that painting. So if we had that $85,000 Lindsay Lohan painting, I could break it up into little chunks and have people own a piece of it that they could then sell to other people. In some ways, it's kind of like trading stock of a publicly traded company. Now, there are a number of platforms popping up to help you sell your NFTs. Two of the more popular ones are OpenSea and Rarible. And I've got Rarible booted up on my computer right now. Let's take a look and see how we can create one of these digital assets. So this is the homepage of the Rarible platform. This is a marketplace that allows you to mint your NFTs through the Ethereum blockchain and sell that artwork to other users. Uh, here's a funny one here called Board Elon Number 1. It was created by somebody who calls themselves Board Elon. They make parody artwork about Elon Musk. Uh, the current owner, though, is somebody else. And if we go over here to the history, uh, you can see that Board Elon minted this about a month ago, put it on sale for 0 0.075 Ethereum coins around that same time. And then the current owner bought it for that much about a month ago and has been trying to get more money for it ever since. And you can see that uh, people have offered uh, the current owner some Ethereum coins to buy it. In fact, it looks like Board Elon tried to buy it back, but those offers were either ignored or rejected. And you can see right now they want 420 Ethereum coins or $746,000 at the time of recording this video to sell that piece of art. Good luck with that. Now, I started creating my own piece here just by uploading one of my uh, still frames from my video. And what I can do is put it on sale if I want. I can also just have it in my collection. And what's kind of neat about this is that people can see what you have in your collection, even if it's not for sale. Uh, so you could have something that just sits there and maybe somebody might see it and make you an offer on it if they uh, wanted to own it themselves. 
I can set an instant sale price, for example. So I think I'm worth about a nickel or so. So I uh, put it in at uh, 0. 0.0006 uh, Ethereum coins. Uh, they do, of course, charge a service fee for the market platform. And then if I sell it, I'm going to receive 10 cents, basically, at this point. Uh, I can also have unlockables that I can give to the owner once they purchase the, the Ethereum uh, NFT here. I can have a description. And this is what's really interesting to me is the royalty section here. Now, the royalty allows me to get a cut of any future sale of the artwork that I created. Remember, the blockchain is tracking the entire chain of custody of this particular digital asset, and it knows that I was the creator. So if somebody were to buy my painting today and sell it for a million dollars 20 years from now, I'll get a royalty of that sale. And that's not something that has been traceable before with physical assets. And that's why I think we might see NFTs become much more prevalent, especially with other types of media. And I'm thinking a lot about video games here. So for example, I've got uh, Shantae and the Seven Sirens on a uh, cartridge, which is upstairs right now. Uh, but this is a game that was originally sold digitally on the Nintendo Switch store. But limited run games here actually prints physical copies of some of these uh, popular digital games to give people a collectible or something that they can resell again. And I always, whenever possible, try to buy my games physically. And the reason is, is that if I buy it on the eShop, I can't resell it when I'm done playing it. I'm basically paying all that money and never seeing it again. Uh, the reason why the digital platforms love digital sales is that you can't resell those digital assets at all. Uh, and that is why we're seeing so much activity to try to get people to do more digital purchasing. Because if my uh, brother wanted to buy the game, I couldn't sell it to him. He'd have to go and download his own copy for a fresh price. Now, if you think about it, the developers of Shantae here do not realize any additional revenue when this game is resold physically. Uh, the video games behind me are all from my childhood, but you can walk into any used game store and buy a copy that's probably changed hands 27 times over the last 30 years and the developers only got money the first time that game was sold. Now, if a developer could allow their users to resell the game, and that developer could collect maybe a 5 or 10% royalty every time that game changes hands, I think that might motivate developers to allow the reselling of digital assets because they will see an ongoing revenue stream, and consumers can get the ability to sell games again, which might be very attractive. On the PC side of things, we really don't have many physical options for games anymore. Most of the PC games you'll buy come from one of these digital platforms like Steam or GOG or something like that. And I think there's tremendous opportunity here for a developer to decide to give this NFT thing a shot and see how it works for them. And then I think the process will kind of snowball from there. And I also think there's a lot of opportunities for some of these scrappier game platforms like GOG to say, you know what, we're going to give this a try because consumers really want the ability to sell their digital assets again. And I think it would establish some degree of ownership over these games when we buy them, much the same way they allow us to own them physically on some of the game consoles. But selling your NFT is going to cost you a lot more than selling your game on eBay. And the reason is, is that you have to pay for something called gas. And the more popular that NFTs get, the more expensive the gas costs. So for example, uh, my 10 cent digital item that I wanted to create here is going to cost me a $15.68 minor fee to mint. 
And the reason why this costs so much is that there's so many people creating NFTs. There's a large amount of energy required to generate the blocks for the blockchain to record those transactions. And that's where one of the big uh, criticisms of this NFT stuff comes in, which is that environmentally it may not be so great because you're really expending a lot of energy to be able to list these items and uh, sell them through the blockchain. But you're paying for that uh, through these gas fees to uh, basically fund the transaction as it gets put into the blockchain. So that's going to be a big barrier to entry. Uh, but both OpenSea and Rarible are working on ways to avoid gas fees or limit the amount of gas you have to pay uh, by doing some things off the blockchain and then putting them on once the transactions go through. It's more complex than that. You can read about it on their own uh, websites there, but they're definitely trying to figure out some ways to reduce energy usage and reduce cost. And beyond the gas problem, there's a lot of other issues surrounding NFTs that I think have to get worked out for this to go mainstream. Uh, the big one, I think, is complexity because you have to go and create a wallet. You've got to make sure you know and understand how to secure your wallet. You've got to convert your local currency to Ethereum and get that in there. It's getting easier to do those things these days, but it's still more complex, I think, than what most consumers expect, which is to go to a marketplace, put their credit card in and buy something. So I'm sure there's opportunities for uh, services to kind of sit in the middle to tamp down that complexity. But right now, I think it's a little bit too complex for general consumers to jump in quickly. Uh, another issue is that the digital art that you're buying doesn't actually live on the blockchain. It's just referring to it. Uh, so if you're buying a card from the NBA, ultimately that digital item is sitting on their servers. And if the artist you bought your digital artwork from disappears or the platform you bought it on, which was hosting the artwork, disappears, you still own the token, but you don't actually have the artwork itself as a digital file. So whatever you can download, do it and secure it because it's just like anything else on the web. It may not live forever. Uh, another issue that I came across was a tweet that somebody uh, retweeted the other day about uh, people who are grabbing other people's artwork and creating NFTs around artwork that they don't own. Now, some of these platforms are working to try to prevent this kind of copyright abuse, but it's still out there. And it's possible you could essentially buy the digital equivalent of a counterfeit and it would be worth nothing. And the person that sold you that counterfeit would be collecting all this money. And it's also, of course, not fair to the artist who is not getting any money from the work that they created and was essentially stolen. And that's gonna be a big issue and a big problem because this is another international uh, kind of copyright issue that's hard to enforce although local copyright laws will still exist even uh, with all of this new technology. Uh, the last thing is a scarcity because even though Lindsay Lohan issued only one copy of this digital artwork that she created, she could easily issue three or four more of them down the road and diminish the value of what you originally purchased because digital stuff, as you know, is very easy to replicate. I could very easily just mint another copy of that picture I was selling as a one-off and immediately reduce its overall value. Now we see this happen quite a bit in the real world also. Uh, in the video game world, you might have a box of new old stock pop up somewhere that suddenly reduces the scarcity of that particular item. Uh, you also have things like reissues here, like what Hasbro did with the Star Wars toys from the 70s. And although these are clearly marked as replicas or remakes, I think for a lot of people who are browsing eBay to pick up an old toy that they had as a kid, if they can buy one of these for five bucks versus paying somebody on eBay $30, they're probably gonna go for the less expensive option and that might reduce the overall demand for that scarce item. So 
Altogether, it's going to be another crazy uh, wild world out there with some of this crypto stuff emerging. But over time, I think we're going to see this concept impact things that we are buying digitally on other platforms. All it's going to take is one or two musicians or game developers to decide that this is a way to uh, make their digital assets more attractive to consumers and that might open some floodgates that allow you to at some point maybe resell that digital game that you purchased. So stay tuned, a lot more to come on this and I'd love to hear your thoughts down below in the comment stream. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, this week's wrap-up, as always, is being brought to you by all of you. And I had a few folks contribute the old-fashioned way on Super Chat this week during one of our live streams. Uh, my good friend Brian Parker once again made a generous gold-level contribution, so thank you, Brian, for that. I also want to thank Eric's Variety Channel for his Super Chat contribution during one of our streams that we did. And we also have some new supporters on the channel. Uh, Proverdon and Eric's Variety Channel also became members of the channel here with the YouTube membership program. So I want to thank everyone who contributed this week and everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis and all of you who watch on a regular basis too because all of those things equal channel growth. And these videos, of course, are freely available. You can watch them as many times as you want. No NFT required for that. Uh, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution. We also support Patreon, the YouTube membership program, and Floatplane, which is another platform that I upload to. We have other channels you can find me on, including my podcast, which is available on most of the major podcast services, and that is an audio version of this show that usually goes up on Wednesdays. And then we've got my Amazon shop at lon.tv slash Amazon shop where you can find most of my videos and my live streams. I've been doing a lot on Amazon and it would be great if you could click the follow button there to get me over the 2000 follower mark. I'm slowly building myself up there so it'd be kind of fun to have yet another platform to upload my stuff to. Uh, we have my email list which is relatively infrequent so if we have something fun happening I usually send out an email blast to everybody. We've got the Facebook group which is very active where you can communicate with me and other viewers of the channel and then we've got my store where I sell previously used items that I reviewed here on the channel and if you want to get notified every time we add something to the store we've got an email list for that at lon.tv slash store alert. And that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap up. Hope you enjoyed this NFT discussion. It was fun learning about it. I was fascinated uh, by this because as an independent media creator, you're always looking for ways to find new value for the time that you put in uh, to create the content. And this is a very exciting time, I think, for artists. And we'll have to see how all of this stuff shakes out. At the moment, it's a little bit too expensive for me to jump in, but I'm eager to see how this all comes together. That's going to do it for now. Again, let me know what you think down in the comments below. And until next time, this is Lon Sybin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Mark Bollinger, Sergio Morales, Mark Dell, Jim Callagher, 
and Steven Sue. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.